Hey, what's up, guys? I'm Austin. And I'm Alicia. And we are the Darrows. This is the Darrows podcast where we discuss all things family and faith unfiltered. In this episode, we talked about if everyone should get married or if it would be better to stay single. First and foremost, let's talk about what we're drinking tonight. We are drinking something a uh, little cheap. <laughs> it's not not too expensive, but... Uh, about uh, six bucks. About six dollars, mm-hmm. and you've probably heard about it because you can get it anywhere. Um, anywhere you buy wine, which is Oak Leaf, Oak Leaf Vineyards Moscato. Um, it tastes like a Moscato. I mean, there's not a whole lot. If you've had most sweet, yeah, it's a sweet. It's a sweet. Uh, I almost said whiskey. It's a sweet wine, and uh, it's tasty. I mean, yeah, has hints of peach and pineapple, and it tastes like something you could probably drink and not realize how much you drink. Because I don't feel like it's super alcoholy. No, definitely not. It's not as strong, but I feel like that that only comes from like really dry wines. But, anyways, it's it's good. Um, so yeah, let's jump right into it. First and foremost, we are going to talk just a little bit about our story, about our marriage story. We've been talking for the last couple of weeks about God's vision for marriage when it comes to doing. When it comes to our roles, when it comes to um, what marriage is, and just what Scripture says about marriage, um, but we want to share a little bit about our story um, and give you a little context um, about who we are. If you don't know about us, um, Alicia, if you would like to start us out. Okay, so first I'll let you guys know how we met. Austin and I both met each other at the church that we were going to previously. Um, I was the administrator for the college that we had there, and he was a college student. We did meet each other before then just because we were both involved in youth ministry and all that, but we didn't really become friends until that time at college. Yeah, um, and kind of to, we could sit here and talk all day about all of the experiences we went through um, in that time of being friends. Um, But needless to say, us being friends, we got really, really close. Um, And then, uh, you know, a couple couple years ago, we, I asked you out and said, you know, would you go out with me? And you said, sure. And that is the greatest answer you could ever ask for men when you're asking (laughs) your future wife or someone you want to be your future wife. That's my awkward response. (laughs) Okay, sure. I caught her off guard. I was in the car out front of a Smoothie King um, the night before we were going to go on a week-long trip to South Carolina with one other friend. Um, I do feel a little bad for Zach (laughs) being on that trip um, with us, um, newly dating. Um, Zach, you're the best. Uh, Shout out to him. But uh, it was, needless to say, we started dating. back March 8th of 2019. 2019. 2019. I get the year. Yeah. The years are the part that I get a little mixed up. Yeah. You can't ask me because I always forget. Yeah. She, she always mixes years and days and it doesn't help that, you know, doesn't help the date that we got married, which we'll say, but when we started dating, um, everything started out really well. I think even throughout our dating experience, we didn't have a whole lot of issues. Um, we also didn't date for very long. Um, we dated for five months 
before I proposed. Um, some people may think that is a little crazy, but um, we just knew uh, from the very beginning. Yeah, and then just being friends for three years, we didn't have to go through all the formalities of getting to know each other or figuring out your likes and dislikes and all those things because we were already pretty close friends. And so, yeah, when we started dating, we kind of went into it with, I don't want to waste my time. I mean, that was definitely my mindset. It's like, if this isn't going to work, let's find out fast and let's end it fast. Like, I don't want to, you know, I was 25 at the time or 24 turning 25 that year. And I hadn't really dated anybody else. And I did that on purpose because I knew that I wanted to find my husband when I was ready to have a relationship. And I didn't want to just waste my time or waste a few years to figure out, oh, this is not going to work. So. Yeah. And, um, my story is definitely completely different. Um, which we won't get into a whole lot of detail in uh, this podcast, um, but uh, I had the complete opposite. I dated a lot of uh, people in my in my life in my younger years, um, but I don't regret my story um, because it led me. Without it, I don't think I would have been where I was with Alicia um, and been ready uh, like I was um, for her. She was ready because she had been waiting for the right person for me. Um, I was ready because I knew what wasn't right um, and, and knew what I wanted and, and, and what I wanted to see. Um, and I don't think I would have had that confidence if it wasn't for um, for all of my experience um, in, in my life. So, yep, five months later, proposed, and then two months? No, six months? Was it six months? After we got engaged? Yeah. we got married? No, it was only, was it six months? After we got engaged? Yeah. 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 So around yeah. we got so, engaged in August and got married in January. Yeah. So we were engaged for six months, got married in on January 19th of 2020. Yes. I often say January 20th of 2019, but that's not accurate. Yeah. So, I mean, at least it makes her, th- I mean, I don't know, maybe it's a bad thing that she thinks we've been married longer. Maybe that gives her the idea that. This has been really long, um, but I, I think that um, when we got married, we decided to go with a small um, wedding. Uh, we actually had technically two weddings, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and we'll definitely go into the details of how we did our wedding yeah, in the next episode. For sure. But yeah, like you saying, we did a wedding ceremony with very few people, just our family and a few friends, and then we did a much larger reception a whole month later. Yeah. And, um, so like she said, we're going to talk more about that in the next episode, which is going to be a lot of fun, I think, but, um, kind of fast forwarding a little bit to where we're at now. We are, um, a year and man, math is hard. It's, uh, it's currently April. It's April. So four months. Yeah, so a year and four months married, it feels like so much longer, but it also <laughs> feels like these four months, um, I guess we could just even go based off, it's funny as we can go based off of our daughter's age to know like how long that's we've true. been married. That's I true. mean, I guess I guess that's a blessing, right? A year um, plus her age, basically. Yeah, because um, our daughter was born on January 9th, yep. so exactly 10 days uh, before 
um, our anniversary. But um, fast forward to now, it has been, it felt like a really long time, but that just comes with having a kid. If any of you have children, you understand that every day is like a brand new experience with kids. Um, and it's drastically different than the day before um, and then the week before and the month before and all that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I think so far in my opinion, I think marriage has been good. And I, I mean, I know that kind of simplifies it, but we we got into marriage with the the mindset of, you know, we want to do this right. We want to do this biblical. We want to put Christ first. We've had our struggles um, and, and we've had times even in the beginning where we had to, I think, adjust and, you know, we are human. Um, you know, I made some mistakes in the very beginning of our marriage. Nothing absolutely crazy, if anybody's <laughs> wondering, but like, you know, there's some things that we had to work through together um, and some life experiences and in some life stories that we just had to walk through because um, Alicia has been through stuff in her life. I've been through stuff in my life and that's something that we had to go through. But we tackled that very early on, not only in our dating and engaged time, but also in the beginning of our marriage. Um, and I think it's been amazing ever since. So, Yeah. And just for some context, like we said, we did get married in January of 2020. We had our reception actually on February 29th of 2020. Um, and so that means we really started living this married life as soon as the pandemic hit. And so, um, one, we had to deal with that. Austin got sent out of town for work in to, to Mobile, Alabama. And so, um, and right before that too, he was working down in South Florida a lot. So we really only saw each other mostly on the weekends. And then um, he was gone for two weeks, I think two weeks in Mobile before I could go up there. Yeah, I literally, so I got there, um, I got there the week of shutdowns. Um, I'm not really sure about Florida, but I know that in Mobile. Yeah, I think Mo uh, Florida was still open for at least one week before, like that week where you were gone and yeah. the week after that too. Yeah, so um, for about one week, um, I had one week of, of, you know, being able to go into places and then everything shut down. Um, and then that's when she uh, came to um, be with me and stayed up there with me in Mobile. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, we, we lived out the pandemic time in a completely different city um, than what we were used to with nobody that we knew um, and did it all alone, which I don't necessarily recommend. I think it was good for us to spend some time just together. Um, but I think that it is nice to be near family and being able to be around other people. Not, I mean, honestly, who was really around anybody during the pandemic? So at least in the early stages, um, people were kind of just staying at home anyways. So I guess it didn't really matter. But um, things like our, um, like our, uh, like uh, gender reveal, like we weren't home. So, you know, we had a couple of family members travel up, but like it, we had to do it online. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and just, you know, I wanted us to share our story so that you guys could know kind of where we're coming from as we're talking about this. Um, 
about marriage. Our marriage isn't perfect at all. I think we do have a good marriage. Um, we have been doing really well, I feel like, especially like Austin said, we are we started out, you know, with premarital counseling, which we will talk about that a little bit today. And we started out um kind of asking ourselves the right questions so that we could be prepared um as we move on in marriage. But when you are trapped in a city that you don't know without people that you know, um, and just different emotions. And then I got pregnant pretty soon after I was up there. So super hormonal and, um, just going through a lot during that time. And, uh, I think we handled it pretty well. Um, but we did have to, we did have to grow a lot with each other. And we learned a lot about each other during that time and just how to, um, really deal with each other's emotions and, um, all the changes that were happening to me, especially during that time. Yeah. And I think, um, I think that's kind of a good transition really. I mean, I think that when it comes to, um, our story, we, we laid it out pretty simply, but, um, if you are interested more about our story, um, let us know and maybe we can do an, an episode on just that. Um, but we thought we just wanted to give a basic breakdown of where we are, um, um, and, and just kind of give you, a, you know, one, how long we've been married, um, kind of our circumstances getting started in our marriage. It gives you a little context to where we're coming from. Obviously, uh, we try to come from it from a biblical perspective, but we do have the lens of our own experience um, that we still go through. Um, and I think that it, you know, we don't want to be ignorant of that fact. And so um, we hope that it can still be helpful. You know, I don't think, and we're, advocates for not letting, you know, time be that indicator of one knowledge, but also, um, you know, how good your marriage is. Um, a lot of people may say, oh, what do you know? You've only been married for a, a little over a year. And it's like, what do you know? You don't know my story. You don't know my situation. I mean, we moved from, um, from state to state to back again to another state, got pregnant, had a child, um, got a place to live, like um, lived on the road, I guess you would say. Like all these things happened during our first year of marriage. Um, Literally all of it. Um, We even had our baby before we hit one year. So like um, I think our experience is important. And so uh, do with that as you may. Yeah. And, and not only have we had all those experiences, which plenty of marriages have had, right? Um, we also sought a lot of wisdom from other people who have been married for much longer than we have. And, you know, we're in a marriage class even right now just to help us stay on the trajectory that we're on, you know, just having a good, healthy marriage that's God centered. So, um, we're going to get into the topic today. Um, the first question that we want to answer is why it may be better to stay single. So Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 7. I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 and then verses 32 through 35. Now is a concession, not a command. I say this. I wish that all were as I myself am, but each has his own gift from God, one of a kind and one of another. To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. In verse 32, 
I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord and how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, this whole entire chapter um, is talking about living as you are called. So it's talking about, you know, what has what the what the gift God has given to you on your life and to live that out. And so I just want to go back through some of these verses and kind of break it down so you can understand a little bit better what Paul is saying. And so first of all, in verse six, he says, now as a concession, not a command. And so, and he also mentions this a little bit earlier in the chapter where he's saying that this is of his own words, not of God's words. And so he's saying, this is my advice, you know, from my experience and what I've learned. He also says later on that, um, He believes the spirit of God is in him and is leading him to share this with us. And so, um, and then in verse seven, he says, I wish that all were as I myself am. And what he's talking about there is that he's single and he's celibate. And so what celibate means abstaining from sex or marriage and marriage. Um, And so he's saying that he wishes that all people were like him being single and celibate. And then he says, but each has his own gift from God. And what he's saying there is that not all can live this life because God may have not gifted them that way. And so I hope that part makes sense right there. And then when he's talking about um, how he wants you to be free from anxieties and that the the unmarried man and the unmarried woman are both only anxious about the things of the Lord, which that means is that they're only focusing on how to live a life devoted to God, how to live out the calling that God has put on their life like he has. Paul was able to be a missionary and to go all over, you know, the different countries that he went to, leading churches, like leading pastors so that they could grow the church the way that God wanted them to grow them. And he didn't have to worry about a family or a wife um, during that time. And so he's saying that if you're single, you can focus on what God is calling you to do. You don't have to worry about, oh, how am I going to feed my kids? Um, how many, like, how am I going to take care of my wife or how I'm going to take care of my husband? And what he's saying too is the married person has their interest divided because they do have to focus on their their wife or their husband and their family because they can't just go do whatever they want to do or whatever they feel God is calling them to do in an instant moment. Um, they have to consider their family. And so Paul says, you know, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And so he's not saying, oh, definitely don't get married or definitely um, get married. He's just saying like, think about the gift that God has given you and for your benefit, like if you can stay single, then live that single life so that you can have a life with undivided devotion to the Lord, that your main focus can be on what God is calling you to do. And I 
Also, if you read the beginning of that chapter, you know, the the first part of chapter seven here, he talks about how it's good to get married to prevent sexual immorality. And so if you're struggling with um, the desire for sex, he's also saying that you probably don't have the gift of living a celibate life, you know? And so he would encourage you to heed his words in the beginning of, of chapter seven, which Austin will also talk a little bit about soon. But in Matthew 19, verses 10 through 12, it says... The disciples said to him, If such is the case of a man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, Not everyone can receive this saying, but only those whom it is given. For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have been made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven." Let the one who is able to receive this, receive it. And so this conversation is taking place between the disciples and Jesus. And they asked Jesus this right after he talks about the rules for divorce, in which he was saying that, that no one should divorce their wife except for the reason of sexual immorality. And uh, we did go into detail about that in our in our first part of the marriage series, um, What is Marriage? Episode 3, if you want to listen to that again. And Jesus is also saying that celibacy is not for everyone, just like Paul was saying. You know, he's saying these eunuchs who are people who have been born without or made without the capacity for sex and marriage. And then there are those who chose to live this life without sex and marriage for the kingdom, just like Paul was talking about. If you have this gift that you can live life without sex and marriage so that you can devote your life to the kingdom, then you know, this is what that gift of celibacy and singleness is for. And um, here's an excerpt from David Guzik's commentary on Matthew 19. And it says, Paul said that the one who is unmarried because of calling should be holy both in body and in spirit. And that was 1 Corinthians 7.34. And therefore, these eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake should come to peace with their celibacy, both physically and spiritually. It should not be a constant torment to them in either respect or sorry, in either aspect. And so again, what that's saying there is if you're having this burning desire for sexual intimacy, if you're having this torment in your soul about, you know, I want to live for the kingdom of God and I want to do that as a single person, but man, like I can't fight this desire. Um, it probably means that you don't have that gift of celibacy. God's not trying to graced your life in that way. He probably wants you to be married at some point so that you can fulfill the calling he has on your life in that way. And Austin will talk about that a little bit more too, how marriage can still be, you know, fulfilling the call that God has on your life. And so to answer the question, you know, is it better to be single you know, it may be better to stay single because you can better devote your life to serve God in the kingdom without any distraction. However, if this is your choice, it shouldn't be one that torments you. And if you're struggling with sexual immorality, it would be better to get married and not fall into sin. Now, don't hear this and think that I'm telling you to get married just for sex. Definitely do not get married just for sex because that will not last. Your sexual desires will change. Your partner's sexual desires will change. And if you are just in marriage for sex, um, you're not going to be happy. You're not going to last. Um, and if you're considering marriage, you know, listen to what the purpose of marriage 
is, is what we talked about in our in episode three, so that you can understand and think if you could really be a person who wants to fulfill those purposes. Yeah, um, I think you said that well. And it, the only thing I would say to kind of like echo is just is the importance of of not getting married just simply for the sex, right? Um, because I, I know from my experience growing up, like, you know, a big part of, you know, in my teenage years, a big part of what marriage was, was, you know, marriage is when you get to have sex. I mean, that's just, just the reality of it. Right. And so, yeah, especially growing up in Christian church when that's yeah. all that, that's all they say about sex is that it's only for married people and don't have it until you're married. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think, um, it's actually more beautiful when you when you take that out of it as not take it out of it but when you um when you realize that it's no it's not the purpose because or not the main purpose because um it allows you to i mean i know for me i was afraid to get married for a long time because i was like man like my desires are going to change one day like i i knew that i was not going to probably feel the same types of things for the same person all the time for 50, 60 years. Like, you know, I'm not every day, I'm not going to wake up and, you know, pure attraction, um, you know, on the, on the app, on the physical level. I mean, it's just, it's just a reality. I just knew that that was going to come. Um, and obviously, um, I love my wife and, and I think she's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I don't think that we're going to have those struggles, but it's, it's a reality of the fact that people change, looks change, desires change. It's just, it's just, yeah. If you, if you want to know more about this topic though, there is, um, the book that we have left in the show notes, um, which is, um, the meaning of marriage by Tim Keller. Um, he actually goes into it in one of the chapters, um, about that, like about the fact that, uh, you know, marriage for the physicality, you know, the physical attraction, like that alone, why that's a terrible reason to get married. Um, so definitely go read that book. Um, it's a great, great book. But I want to get into the next question, which is why it would be better to get married. Uh, first of all, marriage is the first institution put into place by God in the beginning of our world. God created Adam in Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Which, of course, this is talking about making the animals. But if you read further, none were fit enough as a helper. And so God created Eve from the rib of Adam. When marriage was put into place with Adam and Eve, they were joined together to be one flesh, as we say in the church, you know, and you'll hear that a lot, um, which simply means that they had an unbreakable bond together, a covenant. Being one flesh means you you cannot break. You know, what God has put together, you cannot separate, um, which it says, um, you know, it should not be separated, as it says um, in scripture as well. Um, but like I said, marriage is the first in institution before church, before government. God, before these things, created marriage. Human beings are designed to work best when they are connected to one another and of course to God. We see many scriptures throughout the Bible that describes a godly marriage and the importance of it. We have said a lot of them in the series so far, um, but we see in 1 Corinthians 7, 
one and uh, verses one and two, a great reasoning for marriage laid out by Paul, which may actually go like you might think goes against what I had said earlier, but I will explain. Um, verse verses one and two says, "Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman." Because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. We talked about this in the first episode that being married does indeed help minimize lusting because of because of sex. And Paul even describes here that honestly, if you have a strong sex drive, it would be better for you to marry in the end than to fall into sin, which if you are unaware, sex outside of marriage um, is indeed sin. I may not have to explain that, but I just want to be sure that everyone listening understands um, you should not be having sex outside of marriage. Um, There's a million verses out there that just, that say that very clearly. Um, And so if you're having trouble with that, just, just open your Bible. It's there. Um, We're not going to get into that. But um, the reason I said it may contradict a little bit of what I said in the beginning is because I said marriage shouldn't be just about um, sex. Um, because it shouldn't be, which I'm going to break down in a second through another verse in Hebrews. Um, but sex is a big part of marriage. Um, and if your struggle with lust is going to like take back to what you were saying, um, if you choose to be celibate, part of that torment thing that you were saying, like a part of that could be that you just have one, a strong sex drive. You struggle with lust. Like, maybe celibacy is not the way for you because now you are, you know, hurting your ability to really serve God um, in the way that I think he may be calling you. Yeah. And yeah, just to add to that, it's like, if you think you're called to a life of celibacy, but you're dealing with what Austin is saying, you know, that torment, that torture inside, you're not going to be able to be fully devoted like like you were just saying, because you are focused on the sin in your heart. You know, you can't, you won't be able to really fulfill the call that you believe God has on your life at that time if you're so focused on the pain and the, the torment that's happening in your heart and soul. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to be open with you guys. I'm one of these people. I can't, I could not have lived a life of celibacy. Um, it would not have worked for me. And I know God from, I knew very early on in my life that God had called me to be, you know, a husband called me to be a father. Um, but getting that out of the way, I want to jump into this, which is Hebrews 13, four, which says, um, let marriage be held in honor among all and let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Um, what I want to highlight here is marriage is something to be honored and scripture makes this very clear and it, it makes it clear in, in multiple places. Um, you know, like I said, I don't want to come across that marriage is only for sex because it really isn't. Um, marriage is something not only honored by God, but is what God intended for his people to partake in. When, in, when you live in his beautiful design, you are truly blessed in the end. I have found true joy and blessing through being married and God has used our marriage to continue to sanctify me and grow me in the word and in my faith. I am a stronger man of God because of our marriage and I wouldn't trade that for anything. Um, and just to kind of like 
pivot a little bit is just about that calling. Like, you know, it's, it's great if you are called to a life of celibacy, just think about what Paul was able to do in his ministry, what he was able to accomplish. That's great. That doesn't mean that if you're not called to that, that you have a, um, like a one, a lesser calling or even, um, like what your calling is, is like less important because it's like, Oh, well, Paul was able to do all these things. It's like, but when we, take on this calling of marriage one it's not an easy one right you know it may seem easy because it's like oh well i could have sex with my wife which again is the wrong mindset you need to get you know you need to check yourself a little bit when you're thinking about those things like that but like the glorious part about starting a family and that that's what it is it's starting a family when we get married and we have children we're now producing the next generation um and then we're having an influence on the generation after that and after that and after that. Um, and just think of if we're just take our daughter, August, for example, or even, you know, our future children, you know, cause we want to have more than one. Um, it's like, if we can implant, you know, and really preach the gospel to our children and if we could really grow them in the word and then they go out and not only do they share with people that they don't may not know or friends of theirs or whatever. Um, but then they have children. Um, you know, and maybe that, maybe that's not their calling, right? But say they do, um, say August has four of her own kids. We have four of our own kids. Each of our kids have four kids. And then, you know, their kids have four kids. Just think about the influence and the impact for the gospel that you could have by just growing your family and growing them in the word. Um, which is also just a thing to say, Hey, if you're, you know, and I'm, I'm really speaking to husbands here, husbands and fathers, because this is your call. Listen to the last episode if you're curious about your job as a husband and a father, your role. But it is our duty to grow our family in the word, grow our family in the gospel, and to lead us um, as a unit in that way. Um, And your calling as a married man is to do this. And it's a beautiful calling, but it is a, it's, it's a strong it's a strong calling. It, it, it takes a lot of work, a lot of effort, um, and a lot of, um, intentionality. So please men, I'm, I'm, I beg of you preach the gospel to your children, preach the gospel to each other, you and your wife. Um, but I, my point in that was to say that your calling as a married person is not lesser than someone as of Paul. He had a different calling or someone even celibate, um, you know, anybody who's celibate and, and goes out and maybe evangelizes, right, or goes in, in the mission field, whatever, um, their calling is not greater than yours. It's different. Just like our roles in, married, in the marriage situation is different as well. Yeah, I definitely agree with what you're saying there. Um, and, and like you said about how you have been more sanctified through our marriage, that goes for me too. Um, in our marriage, we work together to consistently look at each other and say, hey, this is where you're falling short and let's work together to um, get back on track, you know? And I just also wanted to mention something to you. Don't hear us and say, well, me and my husband can't have kids. Then what do we do? Um, 
that's okay. You know, your, your calling isn't just to kids. Um, there's so many other ways you can be impactful as a couple. You know, you may have nieces and nephews that you're impacting. You may have kids at the church that you're impacting. You may be impacting people in your workspaces, wherever. And well, so I think to just, I, I, and I don't mean to cut you off, no, but okay. like, like if you are unable to have children, um, one, like you said, God uses that in many different ways, but there's also things like adoption. Um, you know, there's also things, depending on the situation, there are things like surrogacy or things like, you know, there are options out there that I encourage you to look into. I personally always would say for the adoption route, just because there are so many children in the foster care system or even being like, maybe you don't want to adopt, but maybe you want to be a foster parent. Right. Um, and we're not going to go into detail about that, but the point is, like you said, there is, um, you know, there is a way that you could still influence. Yeah. And so moving on a little bit, we wanted to answer the questions. What are some things that you should consider before getting married? And so last week we talked about the roles in marriage. And again, I suggest you listening to that podcast episode and you really want to consider how you and your potential spouse view the roles in marriage and see if you have the same understanding. And you may also want to review the purposes of marriage that we discussed. And there are so many that you can also read further in detail in scripture about so that you have a greater understanding of what marriage fulfills and see if you're really ready to embark on that journey. And now also I'd like you to ask yourself these questions. Are you equally yoked? 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Now I want to go back to that word yoked. That's a very ancient term used mainly in farming days where they would connect oxen to each other to plow the land. And say if you had a full-grown ox connected to a young ox, one of them is going to be dragged through the field and they're not going to effectively um, complete their, their mission. And so if they were equally yoked, that means they'd be the same size and the same stature and able to um, move at the same pace so that they could effectively plow through the field. And so with that same mentality, you want to be able to um, be with someone who loves God just as much as you do and or even a little more than you do who has similar understanding of the scriptures and are willing to grow in the scriptures with you and who um, believe and hold similar doctrine truths that you do so that when you guys are making decisions one person's not being dragged through the mud or or the other person's not having to argue about, oh, I don't believe that way, so why would we decide that? You know, if you have the same core beliefs and you have the same or at least a similar understanding of the gospel and of the word, then you can move together a lot quicker in unity without arguing and without somebody having to stop and explain everything. Um, what I'm not saying is that if you're marrying like a theologian, like you need to be on the same exact level of understanding. But I think you need to also be willing to learn and um, willing to grow at, at a similar pace. Um, and 
you know, if you're going to fulfill the purposes of marriage, you want to be with someone who knows and loves God. And, you know, that's why Paul specifically talks about don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Um, Marry, if you're a Christian woman, marry a Christian man. If you're a Christian man, marry a Christian woman. And that's not to say, you know, if you're in a relationship right now that's not, you know, where the other person is not Christian, that you're in sin or whatever. It just means that if you're the if you're the believing spouse, love God, pray for your spouse, fulfill your roles as scripture lays out for you, and pray that God will change their hearts so that they would receive salvation and they would receive understanding. And and honestly, that's a beautiful thing when that happens. Um, but yeah, women, you should find a husband who can lead your family into godliness. And men, you should find a wife who will encourage you to remain godly. Both people should be focused at keeping God at the center. And Austin and I would go even further and suggest that you two should agree on major doctrines so that you don't fall into arguments when these topics affect your family. Another question or a couple of other questions that I think you should be able, you should ask yourselves are, are you both willing to commit to committing to each other for life? Remember, we gave the definition of marriage as a covenantal union between one woman and one man for life. It's an unbreakable promise and you should be committed to each other for life. So ask yourselves, are you really willing to do that? Are you willing to be vulnerable and openly communicate and then seek help? when needed in order to make your relationship last. You know, you have to work at love. It's not just an emotion. It's an action. You know, women, can you see yourself happily submitting to the leadership of the man you are looking to marry? Do you see him loving you with great sacrifice and care? Men, are you willing to lead your family with love and gentleness? Do you see her respecting you and honoring you? I think, um, just kind of going back to what you were uh, saying there about you know committing, I think that that is a that to me is a, is a big thing. Like understanding the the fact that man, if this is for life, you we know what Scripture says, and we've talked a little bit about what it looks like for divorce. You know um, why divorce is. Um, you know Jesus is very clear about divorce. Um, and why we don't get divorced. And um, you got to think about these things. Like, you know, you may not want to, right? You may not want to be like, oh, like, you know, I don't really want to have, or even having the conversation, like having the conversation with your girlfriend or boyfriend and being like, or your, you know, the person you're engaged with um, and just being like, like, hey, like, are we really ready to do this? Like, I don't want to go through divorce because here's the thing. If you are... um if you do get divorced, um, scripture is very clear about what that looks like for you. Um, and I don't want to go into too much detail because I think there's a lot of nuance to it, especially for those who are divorced um, already and what that looks for, like for them. Um, but the point is when you get into marriage, you need to think about these things. You need to think about committing. You need to think about the, you know, what that looks like. Um, but, you know, with these questions um, that we asked, um, if you answer these questions and you are and you feel you are ready to be married, we'd encourage you once you're engaged to seek premarital counseling with pastors from your church, a Christian counselor, or a godly couple who have been married for a while. 
whom you look up to and trust. I think this is like super important. Um, you know, I would never, um, just to kind of preface, um, if any of you come to us about wanting to do premarital counseling, I will send you somewhere else. Um, and I, I do that in love because look, the situ- the thing is, is that we are young and married. And I, I think that our experience, like I said in the beginning, is important, but we are not professionals. Yeah. And I would just say that I wouldn't say never. I would say not right now. No, that's you know what, what I mean. mean? Yeah, like that's a, that's what when I mean. we have more, more under our belt, um, then I think you, you want to look to someone who has been married more than five years, probably closer to the 10 year marker more than that. Um, so that they can, they have experience, um, be, they have experience going through the tough times and making it through that. Um, and yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, um, yeah. And that's, and that's really what I meant is that, you know, you know, a godly couple who has been married for a while, I think that's important because, um, we, you know, we may come across like we know a lot, right. Um, just based on the, this series, but we've done a lot of research, right. And, and I mean, these are not just things that we just kind of had in our head. Like these are things that we had to, you know, research and understand, and we're still learning, um, as we go. So just keep that in mind. Like, um, find someone who has experience. I think this is where that experience is really important because you want to be able to come at every angle. Um, when you're getting into marriage, you don't want to come to someone who's like, you know, the unfortunate thing about being early married for a lot of couples is that you still kind of live in this, um, like, you know, this, I, I call it the cupcake phase. Um, you know, or you got all the butterflies and, and, you know, you're kind of still living in this like dream world. Um, and I think that's a real thing for a lot of couples, right? And so you got to be careful who, you know, who you're entrusting, you know, the rest of your life with, um, because this could make or break the, you know, your decision. Um, anyways, uh, we did uh, this book, which is called uh, Before You Say I Do, A Marriage Preparation Guide for Couples by H. Norman Wright. And although we talked um, a lot about expectations and goals, uh, there were still a lot of things we never considered that was in this book. And I think the book is great. Um, I, I can't, I haven't like looked at any others. So like, I can't really say whether it's the best or not, but I can say that the information in it is great. Um, it helped us. It helped us even though we were already pretty set and pretty no, pretty much knew what we needed to know. Um, but it still gave us more and challenged us more. So um, I think it's a great book. Um, but re- remember, engagement is not marriage. If you go through these things and you find out you don't align on major doctrines, you aren't willing to love um, and serve each other for life, or you aren't willing to push through hard times for that person, don't get married. And either work on yourself in your relationship with Christian, um, in your relationship with Christian counsel, or just end it. Um, there is, I say, there's no harm in ending it. I know that there's emotional trauma that can come from that, but there is no true, deep harm with it because at the end of the day, if you end it now, you are really helping, you know, your life down the road because now you're not, you know, stuck being married to someone that you don't. Um, truly want to be with her or see yourself with him because you went through the due diligence. So um, I just want to preface again that sex outside of marriage is sin. Um, 
I know we've already said it and we're going to continue to say it when we talk about these things, but don't, don't do it. <laughs> as simple as you can put it, I guess, just don't do it. Um, and, you know, um, I'm going to continue to to preach it from the rooftops because sex outside of marriage is sin. Um, and it's not only sin, but it's going to gravely affect not only your marriage, but your life in general. It has a very negative effect on your life. Um, so, yeah. Uh, did you have any other points that you wanted to say? Well, yeah, I just wanted to say that, you know, the same thing, like if you've been divorced already, if you've had sex outside of marriage, um, God has grace. And um, God, when Jesus died on the cross, he died and rose again so that we could be forgiven for our past, present, and future sins. When we trust in him, when we um, believe in him, our sins are forgiven. Again, past, present, and future sins. And so if you are in the moment right now where you have, like I said, been divorced, you have had sex outside of marriage or you're having sex, you know, God does forgive you. That doesn't give you permission to keep on sinning. You know, Paul says, you know, that's abusing the grace that God has given you. Um, I would say if you're having sex outside of marriage, once you have heard this, stop, honestly, you know, let God work on you and seek forgiveness and move on for that. Um, with divorce, that's such a, a nuanced thing. Um, if you're feeling shame, especially because of what we've just said, um, we're so sorry. That is not our intention at all. Um, but, you know, seek godly counsel and, um, and we'll definitely be praying, you know, that, that you wouldn't feel shame. Just live out the call for marriage that we're talking about now in your current marriage and, and stop the cycle of divorce there. Yeah. And, um, I, I do want to say one more thing, um, which is, um, about this, which is that, um, if you are, you know, currently living in, in sexual immorality, you know, and if you are still curious as to what that is, scripture is very clear about it. Um, just again, you can honestly even Google it. Um, Open Bible is something that I use regularly. Um, it's a website that you know, you Google anything about Scripture, what the Scripture says about something, you can find a hundred different verses on it, um, and it's great. Uh, but Scripture is very clear about what sin, out you know, sex outside of marriage is, um, and what sexual immorality is. And if you're living in that with your girlfriend, or even um, you know. Yeah, I would say even, especially for your girlfriend, um, don't take that as, oh, we're having sex. We need to get married. That is super big for me. And I just thought about it because I was like, man, like if your reasoning again for getting married is because maybe in this situation now, it's not because you want to have sex, but it's because you're already having sex. You're already starting on the wrong foot. That doesn't mean you can't marry that person. It means that you need to stop what you're doing. Stop now. Stop sinning, right? Stop, you know, repent and turn away from it. Turn away from the sin and and, and turn to Christ. Um, to, and you can do that. Both of you need to do that. Um, and then seek wise counsel. And then from there, start going through the steps that we've already talked about, about, you know, really working that out, going through counseling, going through all these things to really, you know, before, 
you know, talk about it together. Like, Hey, do we really want to be married? Um, you know, get engaged. And then from there, go through the steps. Um, but it's very important that you don't just go get eloped because of you're already having sex or because you're pregnant (laughs) or because you're pregnant. Exactly. Uh, If that has happened, uh, children are a blessing. Yeah. Um, I personally believe, personally believe that it is best for mother and father of the child to be together and to raise that child. However, if you're not married and you're pregnant or you're, you're having a kid and you go through these steps and you guys are just not going to live your life, you know, together, it would be better to not separate your family. You know what I mean? And to... Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a pretty, that's a pretty big topic too. Um, and, and I think that there's wisdom in, again, seeking wise counsel on it because we can't speak from one, we don't have experience in this area. Um, and it's don't take our words for it fully. Take the scripture, um, the full account of scripture on this topic and seek your pastors, elders of the church to help you understand how to walk through this. Um, but I just wanted to say that, but I also want to remind you, um, as we do, as we want to do in this podcast that we only, we can only speak on these things because of the grace of God through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross for our sins. We are not perfect in ourselves, but we are made new creations through him. And this is how we're able to live out, um, his calling on our lives. Um, and I want to end with this. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about this episode, check out our show notes or our website, wearethedaros.com. And if you like what you heard, click to subscribe and follow our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at wearethedaros for updates and encouragement. If you have any questions you want us to answer or topics you want us to talk about, please leave us a voicemail or text at 407 476 3434. That's 407-476-3434. Thanks again for listening to the Darrow's podcast. Catch you in the next episode where we'll we will discuss a very crucial step of everything we've just discussed in this series, which is getting married. See ya. <laughs>